Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of True Chat, a community podcast, a made music production. And I am your host, Joy of Joyful Sounds. And this, my friends, is episode nine of season seven. Title. Opposition and Attraction. Do opposites attract? And if so, what does that mean? Or as my little sis would say, what does that look like? (laughs) Okay. Creating our realities. What we think about the most, what we give attention to the most becomes our reality. Not that other things are not existing and evolving. But if we can agree that what you think about the most and give the most attention to, it becomes your reality, then you can move into this concept that I'm about to share, that I've shared several times, okay? (laughs) As humans, we tend to give our attention the most to the things that keep us from happiness, from truth, from freedom, as we have been conditioned to. We've been conditioned to think that giving attention to these things that we fear, like pain, poverty, loneliness, death, and etc. rah, rah, okay? We find solutions through bracing ourselves, okay? Preparation for it, mostly due to past experiences and not knowing the truth about creation and death of all things and such. We create unnecessary realities until we become aware, if ever. Okay. (laughs) This moves me into talking about what's happening in the media as it relates to Kanye, Dave Chappelle, Kyrie, and there are several others in both industries that are actually going through a lot through the same thing, but they're not in the media right now because they don't have as much attention as these leaders of the community do. Okay. So first off with my whole thing with Irving, Mr. Irving, bruh, he's learning, he's learning about himself this is you, you go through different phases when you become conscious, you become it's just like something that you have been believing all your life. And then you finding out that this shit ain't real. They've been lying to you. And then it's, it's, it's just like the it's steps that you go through, just like when you're getting when you're going through rehab, there are different steps. They call them the 12 steps. They're steps. I tell you all through grieving loss. I read a book on how to get through that. And so I watch people. I put that shit in practice. And then I started going to groups that were doing it. So I watch people and I know that that's not where most people are. They're not willing to do that work. Okay, so now I'm getting sidetracked. All right. So now that's what this brother is going through. And because of his status, he's talking about it. And a real man, he's not just talking about it, he's being about it. How can you argue with that? Why is it that you want to look at the other side and play the victim instead of supporting 
a man that's totally different from the rest of the league. As far as I'm concerned, every black man in that league, which makes up majority of the leagues, should have stood down and say, oh, hell no, don't do the brother like that. Because guess what? Next is y'all turn and you all know it. But it doesn't have to be that way. Stand up. Okay? It's not about him hating on anything or anybody else. That's never what it's about. It's about loving self. Why can't we all understand that? Both ourselves and our opposites. Attraction. Y'all seeing how this playing out? I know it's real far-fetched, but y'all hang in there. Hang in there. Even if it's three or five years later and y'all get what I'm talking about. Now, those of you all that know me know how I feel and know where I stand as it relates to Kanye. But this is more of a lesson about what you can't say, what you can't play with or rap about or make gestures to. Because we run this, obviously. And if it's our shit, we're going to run it the way we want to. We see fit. And everybody around here, every race, every religion, everybody does that. Mm. Let's keep looking at ourselves. Now, as it relates to us supporting each other, my brother, this is your fight. Regardless if you're fighting it for the whole or not, everybody doesn't know it. Think about Moses. I tell and I believe that a lot of you all think that he ignited a lot of this. That's just what is being shown to you because of the media. Remember, she's doing a really good job. OK, media know what the media is and what her job is to do for us and everyone. OK, entertain. And when you're being entertained, you're usually being bamboozled in some shape, form or fashion. OK, <laughs> what does it mean to be anti-Semitic? And why does being anti-Semitic make you lose your career and or a billion dollars in a day? This is a real question. And because it's a lot of people that don't understand what all of this means. And especially our youth, our children. Because there's a lot of children that don't even, they, we, we don't go to school together. So there's a separation there, okay? A lot of times we know each other through our music. You feel me? And who's really dictating that? David Chappelle made a statement in his monologue on CNL, which used to be known as Saturday Night Live, about it not being black folks' fault for what happened to the Jewish community. The next day he was deemed to be, again, anti-Semitic. For years, everyone laughed hard, including myself. Couldn't wait to get in to go see Eddie play Buckwheat on Saturday Night Live. One of the most, what is considered racist characters ever. And nobody has shit to say. Not even black folk. NAACP. Where you at? How did y'all play a part in creating this reality and what we're dealing with today? 
stand up. And where was your stand then? A Jewish friend of mine said, and just sidebar, my ex told me, you know, everybody you think your friend ain't your friend. But what you don't understand is because I am so secure with myself, I'm good with spending that time with myself when I'm not in agreeing in agreement with something or something someone else does and still be okay with it, not not love them or not like them because of it. I see what they doing. I see what they going through. I see how they got that, got that and created that thought. And I stand firm on how I am to be treated, which is what kept me out of a lot of spaces and places and opportunities, which again is why I say you pick your fight based on who you are. You feel me? So what he said was, I understand if you say no. I can respect that. But what I have a problem with is you saying yes, then changing your mind. <laughs> Brother. Son. Where's the negotiation? This is where the trick begins. Who you are shows up on both ends. Both ends. Both sides. Now, can we can we all begin to see ourselves? It's time to start having real conversations. We having real people come to the table, not serving the people at the table. That's not what we're doing anymore. Well, elections have passed and we are still being distracted by the media. And again, she is doing an excellent job. Now, the story that you all are about to hear. Is a bit different because. This one does not have, is not a story about Inglewood, but the story of opposites attracting and what that means, what it could look like, what it has been looking like, and the truth of the matter. I've always talked about the black woman being the beginning and our white, the white male being the end, the two extremes as it relates to color and human beings. So you all open your ears, open your hearts and your minds and become curious, curious about yourself. And let's go, let's go. I do that as much as I would really love to actually introduce this into individual I'm gonna stick to what we always <laughs> do on true chat and we always introduce ourselves so please madam prince prince queen uh -oh. will you all please introduce yourselves and tell the community of true chat who you are uh, my name is uh, Jeanette Waddell and uh, Joy and I have known each other for quite a long time. I met her as a really young woman. I had closed a business and was just full of information and knowledge and wanted to share it with someone. And Joy was willing 
to give me a chance to work with her in starting a business, Mosiah's Roots. So I would say that that is part of who I am. I love to learn. And as a learner, I enjoy sharing what I have learned. Uh, professionally, I've done many things. Uh, right now, I am uh, a festival organizer for our local community. Uh, and I'm also a professional storytelling teller. And uh, my passion right now is giving other people a platform to tell their stories. For the last five years, I've been organizing uh, community storytelling events. And at those events, it's events as an opportunity for people to really hear each other's hearts, to really bear their souls. It is an opportunity to see people in ways we normally don't see them. And uh, one of the things that's really important to me that on that stage, we're all on level ground. So we don't use titles, we use first names. And uh, we've had some opportunities to hear some really, really amazing people. And this is my husband and I'm gonna let him introduce himself. You. I'm uh, Alan Wardell. Glad to be here. <laughs> Short, sweet, and to the point. <laughs> Could you tell us just a little bit more about yourself? Like, what do you do? What have you done? And what do you do now? Uh, I build towns. Uh, just put in a 500-acre shopping mall here. We just built the school here. We just rebuilt downtown here considered one of the finest in the United States. Uh, I had complete responsibility for the economic development of 500,000 acres in a county next to us. And we're working on a 3D store for Millersville for next year. We're putting in a 100-acre park for everybody. Mm. So we're really excited about next year. That sounds like a lot of community building, <laughs> literally. Uh, you say here, where is here? Uh, Milledgeville, Georgia. Milledgeville, Central Georgia. Georgia. Have you always been that person or that that type, that responsible person? Like you, like uh, yes. you've always had those type responsibilities because those are some huge responsibilities. That's a town, like that's town. That's not. It's more than just a family. <laughs> You're talking about a whole delivering something to a whole town. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so that's really I what I'd rather do. Have you always been? Or have you always had such huge responsibilities? Yes. Uh, Just so, comes natural to me, but I've never been able to live up to what Jeanette can do. Though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think y'all trying to live up to us as Jeanette does. Oh. Yeah. So storytelling. I said we're going to get more into that. As you know, that's, okay. that's a lot of what we do here on True Chat. One of the things that's one of my starts was a, giving us a, a providing a platform for the residents of Inglewood to tell their stories and lift their voices. The things that's happening here in Inglewood, in people ask me, well, why do you why do you why are you asking or talking to people that don't live in Chicago mm. or don't live in Inglewood? And I say because during the times we are in crucial and critical times. That's why this 
portion of True Chat is called Today's Temperature. And I think it's very important and uh, valuable for us to share our experiences to learn from each other. Because I find that what we're about to talk about, I do believe is what's gonna be important here in our country, not just our country, but in the rest of the world. And that's healthy relationships. <laughs> so healthy relationships as it relates to family, fun, meaning social, and at work. One of the things I always say that I learned from my mentor, when one person or one entity is not getting what they want out of a relationship, then neither will the other. And then we continue to go on. <laughs> so tell me, for me, the reason I brought you all on, you all are from Georgia. Yes, you are one of my mentors and so forth and so on. I can say quite a few uh, things about my sister Jeanette. And as the conversation go on, you all will hear. Uh, my, my main reason for asking both of you all to come both you, Sister Jeanette, and Brother Allen, Allen, is because of the relationship that you all have. It's the kind of relationship that I feel like the rest of the world needs to see and know. Hmm. <laughs> to me, it is the relationship that we all want as a society, but are afraid to move hmm. towards. Because it's a lot of hard work in there. People yeah. are probably wondering, what the hell are you talking about, Joe? <laughs> Okay. Well, at face value, Sister Jeanette and Brother Allen look nothing alike. They come from two totally different backgrounds as it relates to family, but from the same hometown. And years, years, well into adult is when they met. So... How did you all meet? <laughs> Why don't you take that part? How did we meet? <laughs> Tell Joy how we met. Joy, I was a president of the Chamber of Commerce and um, a young fellow that's in the legislature in uh, Washington came up to speak. And uh, I was sitting there at the conference table and Jeanette came in, sat down in the Chair across from us sort of took over. And the first thing I said was, <laughs> in the first five minutes, I said, when I leave here, we're going to leave together. And that's pretty much happened 15 <laughs> years later. We're still together. She's still the boss. So. Yeah, uh, we, we actually met at the library. Uh, one of my favorite places in the world. And uh, we were at a community meeting. Community building, you know, John, part of my purpose. John Barrow. Uh, it was our congressman, John Barrow, at the time. And I just moved back to my hometown. I'd, I'd only been in town maybe for five days. And I saw him walk into the library. He had uh, a red cap. He's a graduate of um, University, University of UGA. A pink shirt, what I thought, mm, a man with a pink shirt, that takes a lot of guts. <laughs> and a navy blue suit 
But what really made him stand out was that he had a satchel full of books under his arm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I looked at those books and thought, hmm, a man that can read that many books might be somebody I might want to know. So that that was our beginning. Why do you think it took you all so long to find each other? Well, it took us so long to find each other because, you know, we really didn't. I left when I graduated from high school. And when did you move back to Sparta? 2000. So I was still in Atlanta. I didn't move back to Sparta until uh, the very end of 2006. So really, when I met him in January of 2007, I just really gotten into town. But more so than that, it's a really small community. And you know what? The races just really don't congregate. We just don't really spend social time together. So had I not met him at that community meeting, chances are I might not have met him at all. Wow. <laughs> and let me tell you all, when you see them together, it makes so much sense. The first, <laughs> when you look, when you see, I'm, I'm telling you, you have to do more than just see them. You see them and then you experience it. Like I said, I've always said <clears throat> two opposite comes together and hold hands, mm. you know, they trying, you know, they, they're working on something, <laughs> you know, they're working on something, but what they work, it's an example for the rest of the world. I really, and I wonder how much you all, how much you all feel about, see that to be true or know that to be true. I don't think you do. I think you just live in your life. No, just loving each other, <laughs> you know? No, but, I, I don't. She was asking, do we think we have something to share with the rest of the world that what we have is, an example. Joy, the main thing is to set a good example. Uh, I can take any two people I can move this whole country anywhere I want them to go as long as it benefits everybody in that country. And I've got 55,000 people here. And I wonder how many times I've been able to take those 55,000 people and get them behind something. And get, But Jeanette can do the same thing. You got to start with two people, then you go from there. The three of us right here. Anything that needs to be done, whether it's here, Chicago, or where, we can get it done. Those three people. That's where you start. I'm a firm and believer. If you need to get 335 million people, you can get 335 million people to work in the best interest of 335 million people. And Jeanette probably does it better than anybody I have ever seen. What is well, now you see why I found him irresistible. Yes, okay. I do. So I'm about to find out, like, what are some, if you had to be, Alan, if you could be specific about some of those qualities that Jeanette has that would help bring people closer together, what would the most, the one that stands out the most to you, the one that you love about her the most? When she came in the room in the first five minutes, I said, I'm going to leave when she leaves here. The other thing I said was, I would like to hear her say something. John Barra asked a question nobody in the world could answer. She stood up and gave the most intelligent answer. 
I have ever heard in my life. And I said, there's no way I'm going to let her get away from here <laughs> without me. And darling, I am still here. <laughs> Jeanette, what did you say? <laughs> what was that I have answer? no idea what I said. <laughs> I have no, no idea. I think maybe I was just so mesmerized by sitting, because we were sitting catacorded to each other. I don't remember. It was the first meeting I had gone to. And really, I was in the meeting feeling really fortunate because I came with the idea of being involved. And I had no idea where to start. And here I am a few days there. And I'm meeting the people that really I've worked with over the last probably 10 years in different organizations, different configurations, pretty much some of the same people. Uh, and they were all there. They were all there at that meeting. And so that was really a great introduction into, you know, people who had a vision of what we could do, what what might be possible. And, you know, he was certainly a big part of that. So in this in this vision, did the vision include communities, the black and white communities coming together? <laughs> Uh, it did, and uh, and we and we did do some things. We did make some progress. Uh, one of the things, and I was just remembering that after we started dating, we wrote a column uh, that lasted for maybe a month or two, uh, actually about how we were beginning to to know each other. Uh, and uh, there were some people who were not too happy with that. So the newspaper <laughs> kicked us out. Okay, so you gotta, I'm, I'm coming got back to that I definitely want you to share what, what some of the comments were that, especially the ones that weren't too, people weren't too happy about it. But I'm I'm trying to get to something right here. So, okay. what I'm, so when you all did, was that an actual objective or that's just something that happened in the process? No, in the big, it wasn't, a, it was an objective. I mean, there was a real recognition of the uh, division uh, in our, in the county. And, you know, in my perspective, the division was always there. And so there was no place to go back to when it was different. Mm -hmm. So it really behooved us to create something new. And that really was part of why we were doing the, um, the column to find a language that we could use and begin to understand each other without hostility mm -hmm. or blame. So tell me, how did that go? What were some of the uh, pushbacks or the challenges that you had as you relate, you said some of the comments maybe? Uh, well, <laughs> You know, the, the newspaper in a small town really only run, run by one person, <laughs> and that's the editor. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I think the comment was it wasn't really news, but considering our newspaper only came out once a week, <laughs> how much news was there really in there? But the 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 thought was the, the same. And um I I'm gonna give you an abbreviated version. We also had a, a, a white couple, a very wealthy couple about the same time that it bought a home. And that this couple actually hired a community organizer to come in and help us with that process. 
So she probably interviewed, I'd say, over 100 people. And one of the things that we all said is that our division within the county was keeping us from making any real progress. Um, and so out of that came our first two efforts. One was a community MLK celebration. Uh, well, it didn't start as a celebration. It actually started as a downtown cleanup. And then the other was a community picnic. And so those were the two things that we did. And uh, both of those things went on up until the time of the pandemic. So we started, I guess, in 2000, I'd say maybe 2008. And the picnic went on until it was canceled in 2000 and uh, 2020 because of the pandemic. Alan, what, how do you find, how did you find the, the event went, the two events went? Everybody worked together really well. Jeanette has a picnic, 750 people show up <laughs> and have them a white and have them African-American. It's the most beautiful thing you have ever seen in your life. So how, okay, how does it, how did it turn out to you, Sister Jeanette? It was, it was really amazing. I mean, it was really amazing, you know, because we had no idea if people were going to come. come. Mm -hmm. It was a potluck. The uh, couple that I mentioned, the Currys, they provided a location. We actually had it in their backyard. <laughs> uh, and then they did the a whole hog. And everyone brought a side dish. So I don't know if they did this in Chicago, but in the South at small churches, we always had like a homecoming and everybody would bring whatever they were famous for, whether it was their fried chicken or their sweet potato pies or potato salad. Uh, and so everyone, and what was really amazing is that people actually cooked. Most of the side dishes that were brought were things that people were really proud to bring things that they had made themselves. Uh, it was wonderful. We had activities for the kids. We had a program. Uh, you know, there was music. We had a DJ. Uh, it, it, it really was amazing. And that very first picnic, people came, they ate, they kind of mixed, and then they went home. Well, fast forward, let's say seven or eight years later, the picnic was something like 12 to 3. At 3 o'clock, I'm tired because I've been there since like 7. I'm thinking, y'all go home. Uh, but we literally, I can't say we actually ran people off, but I was ready for them to go because <laughs> people were lingering. They were talking. Uh, and it was such a beautiful thing yes, to behold. That's what we're talking about. But it was progressive. So. It didn't happen immediately, but I think what people saw is that our only agenda was to be together. And guess we what? weren't trying to convince anybody to do anything. We weren't trying to sell anything. We weren't trying to do any programming. The only agenda was for us to be together. That's why and because when people see you two together it speaks for itself the genuine 
what you just said is so genuine and real. That's why it was able to do because it's so real. You can feel it. You all are so different. And to see you together and how you work and move together. So some of the things that I would love to pull out are the differences and how y'all work through that. Because I know mm. that it's not easy when you have, for me, when you have people that you are like in relationships that you are like, I find sometimes it's a little bit easier when you're not so much alike. You know what I mean? You have, you can learn a lot more from each other. It teaches you a lot more about yourself, you know? And so, um, again, I, that is why, like, people can look at you without y'all really opening your mouth or having a true agenda and jump on board just because I see what you're doing. I see y'all working through it. How can I? Man. And not only that, <laughs> Alan is cool with this black girl right here. <laughs> she's from the streets of Chicago and they love each other already what's going on world <laughs> well okay. I, I will tell you that I've had two friends to visit both black women and he was so comfortable with you it, it really surprised me <laughs> why were you so comfortable with Joy anybody would be comfortable with Joy she's just a wonderful person <laughs> Thank Anything you. Anything specific? Everything about us perfect. I like Alan. He gives those. He gives, yeah, he's the right. He knows what I, and, and what he's saying is is very true. Yeah. You know, he's just sometimes very quiet around people he doesn't really know. But he just felt like I could just tell he felt like he had known you, like you were not a stranger. He didn't feel like you were a stranger. You're not a stranger. Yeah, and I felt the same way. And that is exactly how when I talk about you all and my experience when I went down, when I was there, that is exactly how I explain it and how I talk about it and the desire I have for that to be across the world, especially yeah. in our country. You know, what would you say? are some of the challenges you all run into with your families as it relates to your relationship? Challenges with our family as it relates to our relationship. Both of us have got wonderful families. They've accepted us 100%. There's never been any issues whatsoever. You probably saw that. How many times have we seen one person come from Chicago? There's a hundred waterfalls there, but this young lady <laughs> eats first, darling. That's how much you mean to us. Jeanette, would that, you say the really same? True. That's never happened before. That, that that's really true. That with our families, it it really hasn't been um an issue. Uh I think the person that maybe had the most resistance in the beginning was my mom. And she wanted to know, okay, where did you find that white man? <laughs> she was always my biggest supporter and the person I love the most. And I, I will say he really won her over. Yeah, I remember you. And she said that she had never been felt so respected and so honored mm -hmm. um, in the way that he treated her. And I will say that that's true. Uh, and that won her over. 
you know, his sincerity. And um, at the time before we were married, I was still doing a lot of storytelling in Atlanta. And for some reason, I was in Atlanta, my brother was in Atlanta, and my mom had to go to the hospital. So it ended up with my niece uh, there, and he spent the night there at the hospital with her. And I called and said, you know, I'm I'm coming back. And, you know, he said, well, I can stay there. There's nothing really you can do. You know, you just finish what you're doing, and I'll take care of this end. And he did. That's that's awesome. I remember you sharing how supportive he is. Support, do you feel that she gives the same support, Alex? She always supports me 100%. Give me some examples. See, you're giving the yeah. easy answers. We want you to right. want to see how deep you are. <laughs> she has a lot more influence in this the two candies than I do, but I, I know I, I've always got her 100% support, and she says it's got to be done. It gets done. Okay. So are there things yeah, tremendous that, for us? Are there things that you all like within the family that you all wish that were maybe different or that could be different? There's room for some growth. Yeah, you know, our families, our children have never met. You know, my children live in Atlanta, they don't visit that often. That's something I definitely would like to see differently. Uh, at one time, we were doing um, a holiday, a, a Christmas party, and uh, our families came to that. Well, we haven't done that in five or six years. Uh, but yeah, I think the one thing for me would be more interaction between our families, especially, particularly the ones that live uh, in Milledgeville in Hancock County. Yeah, I uh, tell me about that family thing. I, I It seems like I spent more enjoyable times with my family when I was living in Atlanta and came home to visit <laughs> than I do actually living here. <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's and, a bit different. Yeah, um, it is. But the reason I'm sharing that is to say there's so much distance in the space. There's so much that we miss from each other. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That we miss about each other. And then having having a new new form or a new relationship to now be used to or to become a part of, I know can be very challenging for everyone. But again, one of the things that I say, you all are the example. <laughs> you all are the example. And I I I crown y'all with that so that you can take that. Everywhere you go, when you're dealing with your family, when you're dealing with work, you know, the way you all hold hands, you are the example. The two extremes have come together to hold hands to 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 heal everything in between. And with that, there's a healing that has to come with the individual. And the same thing happens within the families. So I just see, again, without dialogue you all are doing the work. Sister Jeanette, what are some of the some of the ideas or things that could be done or suggested or happen to bring that desire to fruition? <laughs> that is a really hard question because 
you know, while he and I, while we have a personal relationship, there's my personal relationship that we have, but there's also the relationship that I have with, you know, people in my community that I live in. We live in a primarily white community. And then there's the relationship I have with white people. I don't know. I mean, these are just people in the environment. And, you know, I vacillate. I go back and forth to it's worth the effort to try to work on it. And I don't mean our personal relationship, but I mean just the understanding in a much broader sense, mm-hmm. a more national sense, um, that it's worth it. And there are other times when, you know, I feel so defeated. I feel that it is impossible that we're not making any progress. And, you know, I'm just, and I'm saying, well, let me go to my corner and you got, you folks just go to your corner and just, you know, but I always come back to, um, we are brothers and sisters. You know, if you are a Christian, we are brothers and sisters. I mean, if you believe in evolution, we're still brothers and sisters. And, and I do, and I believe that we are brothers and sisters, and that the barriers that we have are ones that we create for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I would love. How do we break that down? Yes. How do you feel that we create the barriers? But right. Could you give example of both of those two? Uh, okay, an example of no progression. Um, I have a neighbor that that I, that I consider a friend, a, a real friend, a sister, and we can talk about racial issues. And so I was talking about um, how black men are often profiled. And, you know, I mentioned something about my sons being stopped. And her response was, my sons would never do anything to be stopped. And while that is a, a, a fairly simple thing, what it said to me is, you hadn't heard a thing I said. <laughs> the per- perception is my sons would. And so where do I go in a conversation like that? And I've yet to bring that up to her, even though we've had many other conversations about racial issues. I have yet to bring that up because I really don't know how to um to bring that up. Did it get so that's to- one example of my feeling that there is no progress, even though this is someone that I love dearly and I do think of as my sister. And I would do anything for her and I know she would do anything for me, which is what makes it so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an example of no progress. An example of some progress. I have another friend, friend, this is another woman, she's a deacon in the uh, Episcopal Church. And so she's kind of my, my person that I go to when I am, I'm at that place of no hope. And she said to me when she said to me the last time we talked, she said that, and don't take this personally, that white people have abused black people so long they no longer see it as abuse. And so for me, that was an example of, yes, there is hope because here's someone who acknowledges 
not just the present, but the long history of, of abuse. So I would imagine the last one of the last things you said with that statement was I, I go back to my corner. <laughs> right. I laugh at that because going back to your corner is back with Alan. So you can't really stay right. there too long. And that's what I'm talking about. You feel me? That's the work. That is right. the work. You're being forced to come out of that way of thinking. You're being forced right. now because there will be no way. You you can't sit there long right. and let that sit without letting without letting your sister know how you really feel. Because right. there you have to face this man. And it's going to always right. be a reminder. You know right. what I mean? No matter if he shares that or not, just because that's going to be that reminder. It will also, right. because of the way you communicate with him and the love, will also give you the courage and the know-how to address her. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> that's what right. I'm talking about. Now you see right. what I mean? You see right. what I'm saying? That's the example. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about that. But yes, this is the person that I come home to. That's he in your uh, corner. And I'm happy that he's here. So being and in her corner, Alan, when she comes <laughs> home. So when Jeanette comes home and say if she like with it, with a situation like that, if she has discussed it with you. How do you how does that make you feel or how do you how do you respond to that? Because it's not you. She would, um, she would agree. We made a lot of progress. There's a hundred and some people here. There's nobody here that they love more than they do Jeanette. And uh, I think we make progress every day. You make the best progress by setting a good example. No, she hand delivered Christmas cards to every person out here. They love her to death, and uh, we. We made tremendous progress since we've been here, but the whole town has made progress too. I, I would agree with that. But what I find um, what I find frustrating many of the times, much of the time, is it's not the microaggressions that I deal with so much now. It is the small things. It is those small ways in which, you know, I feel you really don't see me. You see this image of this white woman who happens to be dark. And there's no recognition Wait, that. Hold on, Sister Jeanette. You're okay. That, that is the image. That is how you're seen. I think so. As a white, I, I don't dark think anyone. Woman. Hmm. You said a white, dark skinned woman. Yeah, there's the sense that I have no history as a black woman. Okay. That I am some re far. Re I am removed when from what happened to George Floyd. Hmm. That I would have no identification. They, they would not look at me and say that would she identifies with that in some way. That that's her future, or that might be something she could see happening to her sons or happening to her. Uh, Brianna Taylor. That I can see myself in that situation. Why do you think that your white brothers and sisters, or specifically ones that you are speaking about? feel that way or respond that way 
Well, the some of the comments are one, um, and maybe it's that I am, maybe I'm too sensitive. What are maybe some I of the take. Comments? I'm sorry. What? What are some of the comments so that we can? Well, like a comment that uh, recently I heard. We were talking about. Uh, well, I wasn't. I was listening. He was talking about uh, the fact that it's very hard to find employees. I mean, everywhere we go here in Milledgeville, there are help wanted signs. And his perspective is that people are getting all this great free government money. So they're at home living the life, the great life, and they no longer, they're just too lazy to go out and work. Um, and I don't really know how to respond to that. I mean, I know how I could respond, <laughs> but I don't know that that would actually make any progress. And when you say he, who, who are we speaking about now? Uh, one of my white neighbors. Okay. Do you think that he's specifically talking about black people or people in general? Well, in my mind, uh, that's one of the, that's one of the things that whites oftentimes will hurdle at black people that we're lazy. So I guess in a more specific conversation, was that is that the conversation that you all are having? Or are you just kind of going with that's what you feel like that's where he was going with? He just wasn't being direct. Right. He was not being direct. But yes, that's what I felt that he was saying. And that he felt comfortable saying it to me. Okay, understood. And that's why you feel like be, that's the that's the why you feel like they don't see you as a true black woman or a black woman right. the experience of right. black experience. Got it. Understood. Right. So my question to you, Alan, is do you share that feeling about black people as it relates to working, of reaping the benefits from the government, being lazy? I don't know if anybody's added more to this community than people like Jeanette and the people I've worked with and I've been here a long time now. So those people are just as important as, as anybody, and we've been able to bring all of those responsible people like Jeanette together to make this community better for everybody. And the smartest people we've got are the people like Jeanette, but we've got a few smart white people too. The, the, the kids for them to work together, and that's the biggest thing. And Jeanette would be the first to tell you, they are all working together. That's the key to the success of this town. One person can't do it. It takes 55,000 people. And darling, I'm telling you, Jeanette can put 55,000 people in that road out there. They will do anything for her. I'm going to pull out something that's very important that you just said that I think that people will. One of the things he said was, I, I see that he sees where it's important, and that's with the youth with the children they have to be the ones they want to communicate they want to work mm. together so we got to do what's right we have to come together and you sister Jeanette, are the one that can do it that's what i heard the answer to that question that i asked you was not you didn't answer it in a yes or no you gave your examples of your life experience. You've experienced working with black people, men and women, through based on what you said, not only with 
hands, but also administrative work and bringing people together. So that and then the other thing is equality. Everybody else, everybody is just as important as the next person. And we have to be able to do it together in order to survive. You didn't use those exact words the exact way. But again, that is my translation and understanding of what you're saying. So if it, if it is anything different. You know, one thing me. that I have <laughs> that I have noticed about uh, my husband, he really is an equal opportunity asking person. I mean, if we're out and he needs directions, he'll ask the first person he sees, irrespective of what they look like. And that um, ain't even some men do in general. <laughs> right. And it's definitely something I wouldn't do. I don't necessarily do. Uh, the other thing I notice about him is that the places that he goes, and sometimes, and I'm really embarrassed to say this, but sometimes I really find this irritating. He calls everybody by their name. If a person is wearing a name tag, he will address them by their name. And I'm thinking, I really want to leave. I don't really want to stand here and let you have a conversation with that person. <laughs> and I'm ready to go. So, t so tell us why. Why is that? Maybe because it points out something that, that I see myself as that kind of person. But I'm not the person doing the action. I'm just thinking about it. I'm not making the effort. But wherever he goes, he makes an effort to call. If there is a name tag, he will call that person by name. Uh, the people that uh, take care of our trash, he knows their names. He goes out and greets them. Yes. That's what I'm talking I'm about. Trash on the truck That's Mary. what I'm talking about because those are the people that keep what we do going. That's right. what I'm talking about, Alan. That's the okay. Right. That's what I do. People think I'm crazy all the time. All right. I go out there and I tell them thank you. <laughs> okay. If I had it, I'd give them yes. gifts throughout the years. But yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. Well, that that is one of his <laughs> that's one of his qualities. <laughs> Uh, I admire and it is consistent <laughs> and it doesn't matter what color, how old, how young uh, the person is. It doesn't matter what their job is. And if he, they don't have a name tag, he'll ask their name. And there's a good chance if we go back to that place, he's going to remember their name and call them by name. That's awesome. That's awesome. Remind me of, you know, the TV show Cheers. Yes, exactly. Well, yes. Everybody knows your name. Yes. I love when people um, know my name. Okay. I yeah. love it. <laughs> so, when yeah, uh, we lived in the country, he went to Walmart every Monday. And there was the night crew. He knew all of their names <laughs> and made an effort whenever he was in the store. Now, you know, we're talking what, five o'clock in the morning? Right. Five o'clock in the morning. He would make sure he could find each of those person people while he was in the store and address and, and speak a few words to them. You got to know that that comes from a deeper place than just that. I know that because I know what, when I do it, some of the things that I am communicating. So I could imagine what it's like when Alan does it. 
Uh, yeah. And some of the things that I don't know because I'm not you, Alan. But um, <laughs> I can imagine like it's it's and and a lot of times people don't get it all. But the people that when they do get it, they the appreciation there, you can feel it back in the response they give you. So it's an energy. It's a it's a, a cycle, you know, because if they don't, you feel that energy, too, and it don't feel good. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can tell when they don't care or appreciate even the deepest of gratitude that you're showing because gratitude is very godly. That's one of the things that for me, when I really realize I get to a place of being down and I want to say, sister Jeanette, this is something that you taught me, maybe not quite with gratitude, but keeping a journal. Okay. And so when I do I'll, every morning, I'll get up and at least find 10 things I'm grateful for. Okay. So at least, at the least, it changes the vibration immediately. Ab- absolutely. You know. A- so absolutely. I am. Uh, Yo, go ahead, Alan. Let me share one other thing. We can. It took me a little bit long in life, but I think I've got it down right. Another thing I do, I did something for a person the other day. And I turned around and I said, "I love you," and they turned around and said. I love you too. I just mailed it right on in the asphalt. <laughs> but I do that more and more. And that's something I enjoy more than anything. That's what's up. And I love you too. <laughs> you know I love you, Alan. You know I love you. <laughs> Sister Jeanette, with all of what you've shared thus far, especially with some of the challenges that you shared, I, and, and to me, I feel like you have a great balance. You have a great balance and you're already in the way of working on the challenges, uh, turning them into into trophies, <laughs> you know, as a storyteller. How do you see your next project? Mm. Well, um, before the pandemic, one of the things with the storytelling that I have not explored to the extent I want to, is that, um, you know, there are some international students here in Milledgeville at the college. And I've really not brought that group of people into the storytelling. And so just before the pandemic, I'd made contact to do that, to begin uh, having those international students share their experience with the local audience and also our young people. Uh, I've made contact with uh, the drama teacher and some of the English teachers at the high school and the uh, middle school to be able to also bring younger people into this storytelling experience. Mm-hmm. So those are those are the two ways that I want to expand the uh, storytelling. But our stories are recorded by our Latin local public radio station. I was just about to say. Yeah, I'd love to be a so, part of it. So every Thursday night, uh, they replay the they replay the stories uh, that we've rec- that they've recorded that. at our live session. Wow! And so I do want to expand on that. And I think the other thing is recognizing and finding a way to be able to. I don't want to say challenge. And I don't necessarily want to be able to change people's minds per se, but find a way to bring my 
experience, my black, like all my experience is black experience. <laughs> but to bring that to conversations that I'm having. That was what that is actually what I was leading to and what I what yeah. I meant when I was asking about yeah. the project. So with that and um, yeah. I don't I I don't have a way of doing that yet. And so, maybe it's not as hard. You know what I actually do because I'm a storyteller. So that response to what he said, the perfect story is my mother's life. Who worked as hard as any man? who did almost any job. And yes, some government money would have really helped her life and made it easier. And no, it would not have made her lazy. <laughs> That's the response, is to bring the storyteller out because who can argue with my own experience and my own story? People will try, I'll tell you that. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> you know they are gonna try. But you're absolutely so, right. That is an approach that is comfortable to me. That's an approach that's comfortable to me. Or, you know, the story of a, a friend of mine, a single mother with four children. She's a college student. She has a, a daughter in college and she has one graduating this year. And she's working as hard as she can. And yes, a little bit of government money would really help her out. Bringing a circle together, especially with the people and friends that you have that have made comments, but knowing that their hearts want to be somewhere different. Right. You know, based That's, on the relationship that you yes. have with them. So they're coming to the story. You're creating an event where they're coming to the table. Now we're creating a table, uh, a cipher, a circle, with it not really being a table, but these stories they're sharing are their lives and we want everybody to share so that we can have a better understanding because mm -hmm. I'll tell you right now, Alan, there are plenty of black people, especially black women that want to understand why white people think the way they do. And I'm sure it's vice versa, you know? And what I find is when it's being, when it's done purposely, mm -hmm. you find out who's really wanting to change things and who wants things to stay the same. Right. The other one, when it's not being done purposely, things happen organically. So those people that don't want it to change will be kind of forced to come into it because now they want to have a voice. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's about. We're not trying to shut each other up. That's what we need to teach as far as I'm concerned, black people, and I'm not even talking about just African people. When I say Africans, I mean African descendants from mm -hmm. all over the world. I'm talking about black people, African-American. I really don't like this, but African-Americans. We. Mm. You know, you, you know? said something that uh, also I find challenging. It is that most people here, I know their heart. And it is in a good place. So, they want their hearts to be in good places. Let me rephrase. They, their intentions are good. And there is fear. And that's the thing. There is fear on yeah. both sides. Yeah. Their, their, their intention. I, I don't have. In, 
you know, my neighbor has no in, no intent of being hurtful to me, or I don't think really anyone else. And yet we all have these ideas about who other people are collectively as opposed to individually. You know, that was a collective comment about a collective of people, not about an individual. And, and I find myself doing the same thing with these collective ideas. Um, and, you know, knowing Alan is a challenge to those ideas. What would you say is the biggest challenge to the For us personally? Yes, as to the ideas that, as it relates to what you were just saying, to the ideas that you have. Uh, I think the biggest challenge that I find is that it's hard. Well, yeah, the biggest challenge I find is that our knowledge base is not the same. Of each other or of the world? No, of, of our uh, collective, of our histories. Okay. So that when we do talk about something, for example, um, I think we had mentioned the uh, Emmett Till. And at that time, he had no idea who Emmett Till was. That to me is a challenge. Um, and I think we, we, we talked about that. We, uh, or we talked about um, Kamala Harris and her uh, being part of a sorority. That wasn't anything new to new information to black people, most black people. But it wasn't some information to the to the white community. Uh, Aretha Franklin wore this hat. I, I don't remember the occasion, but you know it was it was like a a hat a, a black woman would wear at church. And there was all these comments about that hat. And it's like for black people was thinking, well, you know that's a nice hat, but you should see the hat Aunt Susie wore when she went to church. <laughs> because so it, it's those kinds of things. I'm sorry, what? I said, because we see those hats all the time. All the time. So, you know, it's like, okay, that's that's an okay hat, but, oh, or let's take the five-hour funerals, the eight-hour funerals, or the obituary that's a book. You, you lost me on that one. You have to. Oh, well. For a white funeral, there is really no obituary. There's a card about this size, a quarter sheet of That's paper. Small. <laughs> That's small. That's it. A quarter piece of paper. Yeah. And That's then, it. I mean, it's when they were born, okay. when they died, and you know who left. But you know, we got to tell the person's history. <laughs> so. I guess that's the same, like the joke that they have about the bap the difference between the Baptist church and the Catholic church, the time frame they get out of church oh, faster, yeah. you know, the right. work, the, the uh, work that they do while they're in church, the uh, kneeling, the sitting down, the standing right. up, they've like done the work and then had it so that they can, you know, and then Baptist churches last hours 
all day the kind of joke <laughs> slash but yeah to me those are things that to me those are things that actually bring us closer together because they're so different because they're right. so opposite and right. what i know um, to be true are the things that we don't like are the things that move us closer to the things that we do like and the way the world has taught us is so backwards because of the different controls that we got trying to have so we can't see it that way we you know changing the perspective so for instance that would be something that a way that we have had that we have kept sacred and kept right. away from white folk not just white right. folk but other cultures that we felt were harmful or dangerous to what that was or what because mm -hmm. that was something that was very sacred and close right so white folk do the same thing mm -hmm. they have some of the same things because we're all protecting of something that we are fearing and what yeah. are, what is it that we fear mm. you know mm -hmm. what is it that we fear i always talk about having 100 having 100 responsibility and that right there is what i find when i'm wanting to talk with my white brothers and sisters that's what i do i'm talking to them about who i am and what i bring and whether okay. it's a good something or something that may not come across as so good I'm still talking about my half, my 100%, not over and not mm -hmm. under, meaning that I'm not going to take your shit either. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not going to take what right. you did. I'm not going to tell you what you did either. I'm going to talk about what I did. And so when that happens and the way I do it and I approach it, then it frees them up to do it. Okay. Then there has to be something where because because some pain is so deep, just like we see it in our own, like the conversations that we had with our own. And this is what I say. I live my my life is an example of what I'm talking about. My life is an example of what I'm talking about. I know that sounds like redundant or kind of like, OK, yeah, if I'm 100 for you. Right. And I'm talking about what it is I'm doing. And I'm not talking about what you're doing. I'm not. And I'm also talking about what I'm not going to do either. You know what I mean? Okay. All of these things here, it now you have no place to go, but to go or to do the same. Okay. And it's what you're bringing to the table. And if you don't feel good about what you're bringing to the table, because of that's what I was saying, whatever, because of whatever, there's some blockage there. And so for me, when we deal with it in our own communities, the blockage is the pain. Yeah. You feel me? The blockage is the pain. Right. Now we can't get to that next place. So it's the same. But you, we think that these things change when we're involved and we don't see that they're within us, not outside of us. Like they don't right. apply. And so that's how I always see them. And just like I said, like our children. They are like if we have if we came, if we were here and everything comes from darkness, everything in nature 
<laughs> illustrates and shows that it comes from darkness and it it evolves into something. To me, that's something to be proud of. But if we are not, if we are embarrassed or if we uh -huh. uh, push it away like it's not good, then it will always come back. It will always come back because that is the way the universe works. Uh -huh. And it shows that it shows that in everything. It showed it before humans got to the planet when it was just the animals. The things that they did and created came back and created a whole nother. We went from what ice age to now it's hot or the other way around. Right. How many, you know, years. So I'm just saying that to say. As we talk about the individual, we all we we must remember the collective just the same right. as, as we talk about the collective remembering the individual, the individual. OK, and absolutely. Yes, ma'am. And as that individual. This is what I'm coming to the table with. Nothing mm -hmm. more and nothing less. And that is what, for me, the accountability is I hold my white brothers and sisters accountable mm -hmm. for that. And when they can't be accountable for that, then I call, that's what I say. It's not okay. about anything else. Because at this point, we know. At this point, what are we here for? These are the yeah, things I, that we're doing I, I see that. That would, yeah. Yes. I, I do see that. Going from the collective to the individual, yes, my being responsible mm -hmm. as an individual and expecting that from the other person as you, as the individual, not the collective. Yes, <laughs> because See, I can't really speak for the collective, can I? No, no, unless they allow you and you won't right. know until you start speaking your story and then they jump on board. That's how it right. is, right? Like, right. Yeah, me too. Me too. Right. Guess what? And here we got the Me Too movement. Okay. <laughs> right. But you get what I mean. You get what I mean. I want to say thank you for you all participating. Well, this is really, um, it's really, this has been really helpful to me because, you know, the, he's my husband. I don't know at some point in time, you know, he was a white guy, <laughs> but I don't walk through the door and think, oh, that white guy is there. It's like, no, that, you know, that that's my husband. And the other is, I have to be reminded of that. I have uh, sons that are adopted. When I think about them, they are my sons. They're not my adopted sons. They are my sons. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's the same way. You know, this is my husband. And, and I think that's true. Anytime you are with someone a lot, those superficial kinds of things that are really not about who they are in the depth of who they are, they fall away. And it doesn't mean I forget that. But it, it it's not what's upmost in my mind. Close or something. Joy, we love yes, you. Sir. Thank you. <laughs> I love you too, Alan. Thank you all for great being year. a part of True Chat. I think everybody will have a, a great year next year. And I know everybody will work together to make it better for everyone. Let them follow the great examples that you and Jeanette set for all of them. 
Don't hesitate to ask your advice. Don't hesitate to work to make your work better because it, it does take everybody. And our young people are probably the smartest group we have ever had. And on that note, y'all, we're out. All right. Yes. What do y'all think about that Allen now? (laughs) Okay. Now, I know a lot of people, especially my people, assume that I am speaking or talking or even suggesting, suggesting going out and getting a a white maid or being in a relationship with somebody white. That's not it at all. I'm speaking of relationships. And usually when we as human beings think of relationships, we think of love relationships. And so I usually try to use the extreme Again, with one of with one of my ancestor my ancestor now, but my mentor taught me about the acid tests. How you truly get people to tell the truth. Alan, my guy, he said, I can move a world with just three people. How many of us see ourselves like that? And those of us in our communities that do. How do we treat them, especially the women, and especially those that are truly different from what is considered the norm? Now, if you, if you pay attention or listen to the conversation, you can hear their relationship and how it plays out in the way the conversation is going. You heard Sister Jeanette, who's now Mama Jeanette, (laughs) mention that we were like kindred spirits, and that's very true. Our spirits have known each other and do know each other. So there are some of us who choose to walk and stand in that knowing, and at all costs, and when we do, We recognize and see each other and feel very comfortable talking and moving in that space with each other. No matter what we look like, some of us are always uncontrollably looking for that win-win. And others that have the knowing choose the win-lose usually based on those seven deadly sins with fear and greed in the lead, okay? You also heard mention of that storyteller again. That is her tool of choice to unite and bring people together. That's also the choice of the youth. They want to be told and taught through story time. Wait till you hear the next episode. Which brings me back to the point that I was raising in the beginning as it relates to what is anti-Semitism. And how are we explaining that to our children? Especially 
as we speak about our Holocaust. Can we call it that? What are we and how are we teaching our youth? They seem to have come equipped to see and smell through the bullshit, okay? So let's stop deceiving them as we create our own enemies that way. You all, thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you for the monthly supporters that actually give to the podcast. Thank you for the monthly subscribers. Those of you all that download, listen, and share with groups, I so appreciate it. Those of you all that are sponsors of True Chat, a community podcast, and today's temperature. I so appreciate you all. Thank you. I am your host, Joy of Joyful Sounds, signing off and out. Source energy. Feels my being to me choked in the throat A reason for living It is like everyone I might see adversity Penetrating my communities Creating perceptions that we need to be freed So it's energy Yeah